0: Hello, everyone. My name is Mark, and this is the first episode of Many to Come for a Shot of Paranormal. This episode is going to be a little all over the place. I'm going to talk about my experiences that got me into the paranormal. I'm going to talk about some TV shows, just as an intro to this whole podcast. The episodes to come will be more themed to specific things, such as entities, objects, extraterrestrials you name it, we'll talk about it. Let's get started. Alright, so I've been a paranormal enthusiast since I was a child. I say that because I've always been intrigued by the paranormal. I'm also a horror movie enthusiast and I enjoy a good scare. However, I'm so desensitized by most things, I don't find much scares me. That said, I'm also a gamer. And perhaps the reason why I love scary games is because I immerse myself into gaming that when jump scares happen in games or if there are truly creepy areas, I freak out. I enjoy it. I also find freaking out over scary games to be funny. Not funny to be the one in the moment, but funny from a spectator's viewpoint. Anyway, I digress. When I was two or three years old, I still have vivid memories of the old neighborhoods I lived in. And I know being two years old is very early, but to recall specific things even shocked my own mother. So when I was that young, my family lived in a town called Brampton. The neighborhood kids told me my dad told them he went into a haunted house and spoke to ghosts. So these kids would come to me and tell me this about my father. We met up at one of those green electrical boxes that you see sitting around on the grass. And when they told me this, I used to stare up at a townhouse that gave me chills The lights were always off, and the upper window had no screen, and the curtains from this townhouse were always blowing out the window. Just looking up at this window while hearing my dad spoke to ghosts gave me chills. Now, being so young, not many people can recall memories from that early of an age. I asked my mother the address we used to live at. Then I looked up the location on the street view of the maps, and I showed my mom that green box and the window of that house I used to stare at. She was blown away. My dad sadly passed away when I was four. I I really didn't talk about ghosts with him, but I know I admired him more for hearing that my dad talked to ghosts. So whether it was neighborhood kids telling stories or whether my dad actually had some spiritual communication encounters, I was fascinated, and I have always been. On my left arm, on the underside of the bicep, I have a haunted house tattoo. Follow it to the front of the bicep, I have cemetery gates with a cobblestone road leading to behind the house. On the outer part of my bicep, I have a cemetery with three tombstones, one initialed RBS, my father's initials. Follow the cemetery to my tricep with more tombstones and you will see a full moon in the sky and a Banshee in front of the moon. I got the banshee to represent a ghost and of course the haunted house and my father's initials on the tombstone, all representing my love for my father, the paranormal, and the story I heard and loved as a child. Fast forward a few years, till I was around the the age, I want to say seven-ish, this was a few years after my dad passed away. We were living in Oshawa. It's approximately 30 minutes east of Toronto. We moved very shortly after my dad passed. I was having an argument with my brother that I was faster than light. (laughs) I know it sounds foolish. I'll remind you of the age I claim to be. My brother wanted to prove me wrong, and you know how we were going to do to settle this debate? We pulled the top of his bed away from the wall where we had access to an outlet. We plugged a lamp in, and I was able to move my hand quicker than he was able to turn on the lamp. I was excited. I just proved to my brother that I was faster than light. Seconds after my victory, his bedroom door slammed shut. It scared us both. I ran open. I ran to open the door to see if maybe my sister was messing with us. She was nowhere to, to be found. I looked out my bedroom window, which was beside my brother's room. No one was in the backyard. The reason I looked out to the backyard was because the hall from our bedrooms led to a set of stairs that led to the back door. So the windows were closed in the bedrooms. No one was in the backyard. The dogs were inside. I ran up to ask my mom if she'd just slammed her door. She was in the kitchen washing pots in the sink. She shrugged it off and said maybe a breeze came in from a window. I told her the windows were closed. My sister's bedroom was upstairs beside my mom's room, and that's where my sister was, playing with her dolls or something. I don't know. So I said to my mom, it scared me, but it was really cool. Then I raced back downstairs. Another door in that same hallway with my brother's and my bedroom's led to the basement. I always had the scariest feeling about that basement. I never experienced anything per se in the basement, but it always creeped me out. Anytime I had to go downstairs, whether it be to retrieve a piece of clothing from the laundry room or whatever, if I was downstairs in that basement alone, I was afraid. I used to hear noises. Whether it was the furnace turning on or the water meter clicking or something else I couldn't explain, so I would sing to myself to try and drown out the noises. I sang pretty loud. And then it dawned on me after so long of singing in the basement that if something was down there, me singing would lead it right to me. So I stopped singing. But then I heard every noise and would just try and race out of the basement as fast as I could. Oh, uh, one thing I do want to mention. I I did just say that uh, I didn't really have any experiences down there. But uh, over the holidays, I, uh, I, I saw my family. And my sister actually reminded me that uh, one of the TVs that we used to have turned on on its own fairly frequently, and it was located in the basement. Okay, so my mom worked during the day, and school was basically across the street. So my brother and I would come home for lunch, while my sister sometimes stayed or would come home, eat, eat her lunch, then disappear. One day, my brother and his friend and myself all came home for lunch. We ate, then started talking about ghosts. Either my brother or myself, we both recalled differently who stomped. Stomped on the floor and said, wouldn't it be creepy if something banged back? Two seconds later, something banged back. We ran out of the house and back to school. The basement was right below the living room. That only added to my fear of the basement. We would often go over to our friend's house. So my mom was friends with the mother of this family, my brother the middle child, the same age as my brother, and me, I was friends with her youngest son, who was just a year older than me. So this would be where my love for horror started, with these kids. We watched 80s horror movies all the time. We just loved horror and scary things so much. They had a Ouija board. We would mess around with it, my brother's friend would tell us all sorts of horror stories that he experienced, uh, from toys moving to lights going out, etc., They may not have all been accurate, but for the age I was, I was convinced these things were happening based on my own experiences. In elementary school, my class had a library day, and the librarian would give us assignments to go pick a book thinking of something we might want to do as a job someday. Of course, I picked this really creepy book on ghosts that had documented photos of ghosts, stories of experiences in the past, ways to recreate ghosts for the big screen. One part I was drawn to, though, it had pictures and diagrams on how to track ghost activity. So that was it. That was what I picked in the library that day, was a ghost tracker thinking that all those things stopped paranormal activity, only to realize at a later time, tracking activity is much different than stopping it. Sleeping in a bedroom that was only feet away from the basement door, I used to be terrified of facing away from the door. I had to stare at the door every night. The stairs leading down to her bedrooms creaked with each step, and I swear some nights, lying in bed, I could hear slow creeping on them. When my mother remarried, my stepdad had two kids. They all moved in. I was moved into the room with my brother, stepsister in my room. Sister stayed upstairs. Uh, but... That varied. Uh, So for a while, uh, my sister was actually in my room when I moved into uh, my brother's room. And then eventually she moved upstairs while the stepsister took uh, my old room. There was an extra room upstairs that my stepbrother took. That provided some relief because when I would lay in bed facing that door, my brother, stepsister, and stepbrother would all be in the basement watching TV. So I could hear them talking and laughing at the TV. So it wasn't dead silent anymore. So rather than focusing on what freaked me out, I was able to focus on they get to stay up and watch the TV show that I want to watch. So so some of the shows we would watch as I was growing up that were paranormal-themed would be Unsolved Mysteries, which, okay, wasn't so paranormal-themed, but it had some paranormal episodes about the unexplained. Sightings had to do with UFOs and the paranormal activity and other unexplained phenomena. So I surrounded myself with things in pop culture geared toward the paranormal. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark were my favorite kids' books, and I love that Guillermo del Toro brought that to the big screen in such an excellent way. I love that movie. For for the critics that criticize it heavily, remember, it's children's books, and he brought it in... He brought it to the the big screen in such a way that it's, it's just uh, above like a small children's age group that essentially should be watching. it. When I was in grade six, I had a buddy introduce me to the movie Child's Play. That was also amazing. My brother ended up getting a Fangoria subscription. So like all these things involving horror and just things scary by nature were always all around me. So I've always been heavily into this stuff. There was a show on MTV called Fear. It was a reality show where people put on vests with cameras and a headset and had to explore haunted places. If you read about the show, you can find quotes from people in the show, including the crew. When creating the show, they went to an old penitentiary and offered someone 250 bucks to go sit in a room alone. Then while he was sitting in the room, they had someone jingle a chain that slapped a wall. The guy came running out then was offered 500 bucks to go back in. Then a thousand to go back in. And once he declined, the creators knew they had a show. So the crew would find these locations and map out areas and do a dry run through them first. There's an account of someone climbing up a ladder at a site during a dry run before the show filmed, or guess we're playing through. And as he got to the top of the ladder, he heard someone or something whisper, No. It didn't come through the headset. Well, he's glad he didn't go forward because there was an old trap door that was used for dropping hay for horses. The person would have fallen to his death. So maybe there's some validity to the show fear. Even though it's just spooky places set up for people to run through, the reason for the cameras on the vests was so that they were really alone. Isolation was key when tapping into someone's fear. More unusual and a- and unexplainable things happened off-camera to the crew who would set up for the show, then the guests. The routes they created for the guests had to be safe, so they had to explore the old places. They wanted places that had history, not just any old building. It was a really great show. It was only canceled because it was too expensive to produce an episode. So watching these things and surrounding myself with horror and all things scary, including my own ghost experiences, I'd say has toughened me up. It's not to say I don't get freaked out when something I can't explain happens beside me, but I don't necessarily run away. I'm more intrigued to investigate, to see if I can find a way to recreate an incident in an attempt to explain what just happened. However, I can't always find an explanation. Currently, I live with my girlfriend in a house owned by her father, and it's been her family home for approximately 30 years. She and her brother have had experiences here, but she doesn't like to talk about them because she gets so creeped out by them. I myself, since I've been here, have had a few small experiences. Just something flew off a table and things fallen over. My preferred place to hang out at home is in the basement. It's got 80s paneling and an older style rec room carpet. For me, it's heaven. While sitting at my computer one night writing out an episode for a podcast, a bag of microwavable popcorn was sitting on the coffee table behind me. I was going to eat it after I finished writing. So I'm typing it up on my computer and I hear it fall off the table behind me. My response was me talking to the air or whatever spiritual energy might be around, me, saying, I'll get to my popcorn in a bit. Relax. Nothing else happened that night. Another night, I was watching TV on the couch, and above the fireplace on the mantle, there's a picture of my girlfriend's daughter. It fell over, pictured down. I told my girlfriend of this the next day, and she was just like, nope, don't like that. It would appear that she's not as fascinated by the paranormal as I am. Some science out there may deny the existence of an afterlife, but there are way too many things that have happened with no explanation behind them. So one thing that seems to be unexplainable among many people is the sleep paralysis man. Many people that experience sleep paralysis feel that they awaken from their rest, unable to move. They feel a weight on their chest, feel as if they can't breathe. Now, different people have different visions slash experiences, but many have seen a black figure wearing a hat, otherwise known as the hat man. Now, some of the many people that have experienced this sleep paralysis vision didn't know anything about the hat man prior haven't seen him, haven't heard about him. The guy was a complete mystery before this vision. And after the experience, to find someone else experienced the same vision, then someone else, then someone else, it's become quite the phenomenon. The common speculation about it is that everyone hears about it from word of mouth. I specifically heard about it from Facebook. My buddy, when he was younger, experienced a demon, which is also fairly common. Many people in this state see something, but to speculate, oh, they probably just heard about it from someone else, might be a far leap from a conclusion. The reason I say this is because no one knows when sleep paralysis is going to happen. It just randomly strikes. And when it does, a vision quite often accompanies it. So if you don't experience sleep paralysis all the time, you're not going to talk randomly about a vision. I know I meet up with friends, uh, and sleep paralysis isn't exactly the common topic for conversation. So I personally believe that it's just a crazy phenomenon that hasn't been explained yet. There's a video online called the Selective Attention Test. There are two groups of people passing a basketball back and forth. You're asked to count the amount of times the people in white shirts pass the ball. So you have to focus on the ball while another team of people in black shirts are also passing around another ball. So you focus on the team in white shirts and continue the and count the passes. During this ball passing, a person in a gorilla suit came out passing in between the people. He pounces, his chest then walks off the screen. So when I watched the video, I counted the passes, I saw the gorilla, I did not have selective attention or the inattentional blindness this test talks about. This is supposed to refute your claim of what you saw. So that when a window closes, you think It closed on its own. Maybe someone closed it and you didn't notice it. Now, I'm not saying I have a perfect attention span. I have ADHD. My focus is always all over the place. My attention span is short. If I'm looking at something but hear a sound, I turn to see what the sound was. I usually sit with headphones on in the basement, so everything else is silent. When everything else is silent, it means the slightest noise is a little more noticeable. I have always been in tune with my surroundings. I get a little too anxious when I'm out in a big crowd with too much going on, so I isolate myself more nowadays. But I urge you all to take selective attention tests. There are more than one online. Sorry for my spoiler alert about the gorilla, but that was to say I pay attention more than you think. Although if you asked my girlfriend, she would deny this, but that's where the ADHD comes into play. So being that... My entire life, I've been ever so fascinated by the thought of life after death and having experienced many different things myself. The truth of the matter is that everyone who experiences something they can't explain, they'll either run from it or run to it. I'm the latter. I prefer to explore what others can't explain in search for an explanation. Some science will say it could be from delirium dementia caused by mold growing in walls. Other science will state it's from a low-frequency hum caused by natural events not far from your location. Some say it's from carbon monoxide to the power of suggestion, a breeze blowing outside to the enjoyment of fear. If you can disprove these things in your area where you experience things, it may not be what some sciences claim to disprove your thoughts. The power of suggestion is a tough thing to break. If you're a skeptic and don't believe in anything— but then experience something you can't explain, your friend then goes on to say it's a ghost, and while trying to think of that as rubbish, the more you experience, the more your mind will fall back to that power of suggestion. So let's say you have an old pipe in your house running through the walls into the ceiling of your basement, and the slightest bit of water running through it causes it to vibrate to the point it causes a knocking on your wall. Now imagine that you thought you were home alone, But someone upstairs just cracked a faucet a little bit because rather than soak a face cloth, they were just trying to dampen it. They wipe up or wash whatever they needed to, then left to meet up with someone. So you then go exploring in your house and no one is there. As far as you're concerned, your old pipes knocking against the wall just happened on its own. Sometimes if you have old things in your home from before you lived there, then you start living in the place, things will run fine, but will age while you're living there so the pipes get older and shake differently than when they did upon first moving into the house. Such a scenario may sound wacky, but is totally plausible. So hearing this sound that you don't hear all the time, and while trying to explore it while you can't explain it as much as you tried to dismiss your friend's suggestion, in the back of your brain you're thinking, I don't want to believe it, but maybe it's a ghost. As many things science can try to disprove, it can't always. Example, when the picture frame fell over on the mantle. That was the state of an object that changed with no wind, no earthquake element, no house shaking element. Just me watching TV when this picture frame fell over. I didn't even correct it. I just left it as it was. My girlfriend stood it up the next day. The mantle is a flat, solid surface with no damage. The picture frame isn't damaged. The arm on the back of the frame was fully extended to support the weight of the frame. Nothing was out of the ordinary, and yet the frame fell forward, face down, when, if anything, it should have fallen backwards because of it leaning on the frame's support arm. The fact that something was physically displaced rules out delirium from mold or carbon monoxide. The fact that it was leaning more back than forward with the arm extended, while there was no earth-shaking anomaly, rules out an environmental explanation. There was no breeze, The windows in the basement are closed. The fireplace flue is closed. And being that I'm on my own in the basement watching TV means there's no power of suggestion. It was just something I couldn't explain. There's also another picture beside it on the mantle that stayed upright. Why did one picture fall and the other stay? I I don't know. I do enjoy the fear aspect, but small poltergeist activity doesn't activate a fearful response in me. I'm not one to run away. I don't even get closer to examine things all the time, sometimes unless I'm really intrigued. If it's something significant that happened, I feel the need to investigate. Otherwise, I just take it for what it is and continue on what I'm doing. One of the things I find the funniest about any paranormal investigating video is anyone that usually calls on an entity to communicate will call for the communication, then scream and run away when something happens. I want to point out, ever since I was little, as I mentioned, I've enjoyed horror. I loved the fear aspect. And I loved all those experiences I had as a kid. Growing up this way only made me try to explore fear. Any horror-related dream I have had that could be considered a nightmare... Even if it wakes me up, I love it. I once had a nightmare about being chased by a creature. It's a natural response, my body slash brain woke up. During this time, I was sleeping in a basement with no windows, and it was pitch black, and I swear when I woke up because of my nightmare, I felt like I could feel someone or something hovering over me, and I swear I heard breathing above me. But in the end, I just thought to myself, cool, then rolled over and went back to sleep. Living in this... Same place another time, I was watching The Exorcism of Emily Rose on DVD. The DVD menu is some of the more horrific scenes of Jennifer Carpenter screaming while possessed. So I passed out during the movie, and the menu played on repeat. Just this female victim possessed and screaming. My brother came down to see what the noise was and why it was repeating. He woke me up and asked how I could sleep to that. I told him I was tired, and it didn't bother me. And that's not supposed to make me sound like a psycho, just someone who loves horror that, when tired, can fall asleep to anything. One of the many types of ghosting encounters out there that freak me out would be shadow figures. There are many documented videos of someone experiencing what seems like poltergeist activity first, then see the head or body of a shadowy figure poke around the corner. Some people will actually run to investigate right after seeing the figure, flip on a light switch, and not see anything. I remember being in a park with my son. He was around the age of 8 or 9. The time was between 9 and 10 o'clock. The girl I was dating at the time decided we would go to a park for him. It started out fun. He had a blast playing on all the structures. I was chasing him. He had a blast. Suddenly he stopped and said he wanted to leave. I asked why, and he said because he sees shadowy figures looking at him from around a tree. I went to the tree, and no one or anything was there. He started playing for a bit and then stopped again, and he said he wanted to leave. He was getting really scared. I asked him to point out the figures. He pointed his finger and said, over by the tree, but this time said, but Daddy, now there's more. And I asked where they were. He was seeing these things. I would try to go to wherever they were to put his fears to rest, but more were popping up. It was just us in the park, and the trees were... Single standing trees spread out across field and the park. The girl I was dating couldn't see anything while I was looking. She stayed with my son. Whatever it was, was enough to stop him in his tracks from the middle of playing a game with me to him standing still looking at something I couldn't see while holding his arms. We ended up leaving and since then he has occasionally seen a figure here and there but nothing that's overly scared him. For the amount of things I've experienced, not being able to see whatever is knocking a bag of popcorn off a table, or a picture frame falling over, or even slamming a door, I would say is probably easier to deal with than seeing a shadowy figure that you know isn't technically there causing these things to move. So I guess that's why it's easier for me to personally deal with poltergeist activity, although... If I saw a shadowy figure, I'd still have to run down and investigate for fear of a real person being near, possibly stealing or damaging my stuff. So, I would be the kind of person to die first in a horror movie. 100%. If I hear something, I have to investigate. So, even in the videos I've seen online of random screams in the forest, I would arm myself and go explore. Because say it wasn't a paranormal event. And say it was just actually someone being butchered. A missing person case could be resolved. I say I would have to go armed because one, if it is an individual causing harm to someone, okay, I would need something to defend myself. Or two, even some wildlife sound like people screaming sometimes from bobcats to foxes, so you have to be ready. Whenever I see anyone's video online of their own personal experiences, I don't just discredit them because I'm not there to investigate, I'm fascinated by them. That's not to say everything is real, because some people might just purposefully stage something to create an online internet YouTube show for monetization. But out of the experiences I've had, if I was telling someone and I believed they were real, only to have someone tell me, it's all BS, I didn't experience them, there's some other thing I'm not taking into account, and there's definitely an explanation, I would definitely feel disheartened, hurt that someone doesn't believe me. It's not like my intention is to try to freak someone out by telling a ghost story. It's more the fact that I experienced something, I looked for an explanation, couldn't find anything, and was actually drawn to it more because I couldn't explain it. So I wouldn't just discredit someone for claiming something to be real. I would question them and their experience and hope they were honest with me. So a shot of paranormal is going to be me talking about people's paranormal experiences. Maybe I'll have some YouTube guests. But we're, we're going to dive in talking about personal experiences. Common sightings of ghosts, creatures. So when I say common sightings, I mean stuff like the Mothman to Slenderman to Llorona. La- I want to cover all things paranormal. I want anyone out there with stories of the paranormal to reach out to me. And we'll discuss your experiences as well how you dealt with them, how they made you feel if you moved on, or whether you're still in a situation that terrifies you. We'll talk about some devices that researchers use, how they're used, and what they're used for. Just be sure to tune in, click subscribe, or follow. Be ready to feel the chills down your spine as you hear stories that may be similar to your very own. My name is Mark, and this is A Shot of Paranormal. Thank you for listening.